Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning, church. Are you well this morning? Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor you need to be planted in the house of God. Visitors die. Yes. You know, I happen to be busy planting a garden at my house because when, when you buy one of those properties from way back, they already have the trees, they already have the plants. But when you buy a, a plot, or if the Lord gives you one, Amen. If, if the Lord gives you a plot, then you have to plant it. And uh, I have learned so much from those plants, you know. And it is so important that you are planted in the house of the Lord because then you will flourish. I remember uh, the campus had like this uh, drive and they're called Get Planted. I still remember that. They had the shirt with a yellow tree. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. And many of us are just not... My sound was good just before. Many of us are just not flourishing because we are not planted. So I really just want to encourage and commend you this morning for being in the house of the Lord. And then for the evening service, I just wanted to emphasize once again, please help us with that. We've got people sitting in uncomfortable places. So I pray that the Lord will speak to you as a young professional, single, uh, without children, because the evening service doesn't have a children's uh, facility. And so please join there. You know, just imagine God is making available a pool of single, godly, young, attractive. I'm just saying. You know, I'm not into fishing, but I know that you can't just go anywhere. There are certain places. And uh, on the 9th of Feb, we are going to have a vision night for that service. And so we want to invite you to join us there. And um, then I also want to just commend everybody. Who, how many of you fasted with us for 21 days? L lift up your hand to the Lord. Hallelujah. The Word of God says that when you fast, close your door. And what you do in secret, God will reward you in public. And many of us are walking in the rewards of God because of the fastings and the prayers that have been flowing before the throne of God out of our hearts. And on Mondays, we are not done with fasting for the year. Tell your neighbor, um, I'm going to lose some more weight. <laughs> we are not done fasting for the year because every Monday we fast in this church. And we fast probably like you don't have breakfast, you don't have lunch, and then you eat after after you come to the prayer meeting, or if you can't make it, then you eat in the evening after the sun sets. Uh, sun sets a little bit late, so when you come home. And so I want to encourage you, make it your custom to fast and to pray. Those who fast are sensitive in the realm of the spirit. Yeah? They know how to rebuke that guy. Amen. And there are many more benefits. And then I also just want to emphasize the men's fellowship that we're having. I think it's this coming Friday. Hallelujah. I've received testimonies of people that were at the crossover service when we were talking about vision and doing something with your life. 
Tell your neighbor, God's will is not automatic in your life. Yeah. Without a vision, you are going nowhere quickly. Yeah. And it's so important that, especially as men, I mean, imagine, Lord have mercy on that wife and family that is beneath a man that has no vision. Huh? Elder Godfrey. A man without vision. It's like you are driving around the neighborhood trying to find the house of the friends that invited you for a delicious dinner. And the man doesn't know where he's going. And you are telling him, can we use the map? No, I know. I know where we are going. And when you see the same house four times, then the wife starts saying, I think we are lost. Don't speak death. Life and death. <laughs> Life and death is in the power of the time. He becomes a theologian. Don't become a theologian. Just become one who is led by the Spirit. So we're going to be together. I want to uh, emphasize the fact that it's a bring and bride. If you come, we might be moved by compassion and share a little portion to you. But bring whatever you want to eat. We'll have the fires ready. We'll be on top. And we'll make sure that every man has goals has a vision for the year, has accountability, is locked in with other men, because you can predict where you will be by the end of the year. It is not something that goes by luck. Ah, you are just lucky. Mm -mm. We set our own luck. We take advantage of the luckiness of God, the grace of God. Amen. Hallelujah. How many of you were here yesterday for Passion Night? Hmm? Can I see your hands again? Please respond. Otherwise, we must pray for deafness and blindness. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, the Spirit of God was just moving in this place. If you are not here, you missed out. I want to encourage you, you know, don't think that if I miss out now, I'll catch later. It is in moments like that when destinies are transformed. Yeah? Maybe you went out to watch a movie. That's all you will have. Amen. Tell your neighbor, get planted. <laughs> Put those roots somewhere. Amen. Father, I thank you, Lord God, for your spirit and your word. Thank you, Lord, that we are here this morning to be transformed, to be impacted by your word. Thank you that your word does not return void, but it accomplishes everything that you sent it for. And so thank you, Lord, that this morning we are going to be transfigured by your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we've been doing a series from the beginning of the year. Our theme for the year is Amazing Grace. And we spoke in the first week about the abundant grace. We said that grace is not mercy. There's a difference between grace and mercy. If you think that grace is mercy, you will only get the tolerance of God. But if you understand grace, grace is the abundant kindness of God beyond what you deserve. Amen? And that's the life you want to live, a life of grace. Not just, I have only what I deserve, because most of us deserve hell, death, condemnation. But the gospel brings us an undeserved life, the life of Christ. And so the first week, these messages are all online. So please go on our website. They are all there. If you've got a podcast, get them on there. Many times you have to listen to a message two, three, four times.
because that devil has been talking to you more than four times. And he's been brainwashing you with his hellish propaganda. And you need to be brainwashed by the truth of God's word. Amen. Many times you want to change the symptoms or the effects or the behavior in your life. But God doesn't transform us by telling us to change our behavior. He says be transformed by the renewal of your mind. He gives you his thoughts. Once you have his thoughts, the power of those thoughts begin to move from your soul into your spirit. And you begin to bear the fruits that God ordained for you. And then the second week, Pastor Yoma preached a powerful message on justifying grace. Spoke about the great reformation. Spoke about the fact that we are justified by grace, by, by grace through faith apart from our works so that no man can boast. So that when we stand before God, we stand as Jesus is before God. Many believers struggle with their confidence before God because they don't understand that they have been justified. And justification is greater than forgiveness. Why? Because justification means innocent. Imagine you come to someone after the court acquitted them. And say, no, we forgive you for what you did. They'll say, no, I don't want your forgiveness. I'm innocent. You understand? And that is what justification is. Innocence. It's not just forgiveness. And then we spoke last week on sanctifying grace. Malcolm preached a thundering message. <laughs> Calling all men everywhere to convert and repent. Because God has called us to be a separated people. And you know what? As Malcolm was preaching, the Lord was ministering to me in the week. I made my own changes. Tell your neighbor, even the pastor is on a journey <laughs> of sanctification. What about you? Yeah. Just to continue growing. Because unless you, you might be, you might know about the abundant grace of God. You might have the justification grace of God. But if you don't have the sanctification grace of God, you will never fulfill your potential as a child of God. It's like someone giving you a brand new car, everything is there, but you are using water instead of petrol. Because the whole world uses water or whatever your idea is. You are separate, you are different. So work according to the new creation that God has placed in you. You need the word of God to minister into that. Once you do that, you will see your purpose will be fulfilled. Amen? Most of us are asking, Lord, what should I do with my life? It's not what should you do with your life. Get sanctified. Turn off some of the things that you are watching. Cut off some of the friendships that you are with. Begin to stop some of the things that you shouldn't be doing. And you'll begin to see your love for God be on an all-time high. And this morning, we are speaking about sufficient grace. How amazing grace transforms our suffering. Hmm. And it is important for you to realize that the Word of God gives us an indication of what God's purpose was from the beginning. The way you see the earth now was not the way God intended it to be. All this suffering, all this devastation and death in China now, there's some new disease that is, my goodness, 
This was never God's plan. When God created mankind, his plan was not suffering. Do you understand? So don't lobby suffering into your life just because you see it. The problem is mankind received custody of the earth. They did certain things that introduced death. Introduced corruption. Introduced suffering. And the curses were pronounced from the beginning. And so the earth is the way that it is. Tell your neighbor, because of us. Yeah, let's not blame God. Where is God? Where is God? Why is there all these earthquakes and all of that? We started that thing. And so when you understand that God's intent was not this, you must then realize what happens if we are in this fallen world. How do we live our faith out in the context where we have a fallen and corrupt world and we have an enemy called the devil. And so we'll go into the word of God to give you an understanding because if you don't need this message today, just hang in there. 2020, you will need it. Why? Because what happens to you does not matter. It is how you respond to it that makes all the difference. Makes all the difference. So let's read together here in 2 Corinthians 12. What's happening in the scripture is that the Apostle Paul is writing to the Corinthian church and he's having to almost confirm his credentials as an apostle. Because there are other apostles, so-called apostles, that are going around. They are taking money from people. They do their ministry in a certain way. And it's casting a certain bad light upon the ministry of the Apostle Paul. When he came among them, he many times did not require offerings as much as the Bible says that he's entitled to it. But he wanted to show them how to work with their hands and not be lazy. And so they began to despise the ministry. Ma many times he would come there and he would have scars on his body. The people would be like, what kind of mighty man of God is this? And so he begins to say, look, I'm going to go on a trend here that is a kind of foolishness. But I'm going to play along with this foolishness to try and show you in my boasting, which I should not be boasting, what God has done in me and what he's done through me for you. And in this narrative, you'll begin to understand what the Apostle Paul went through and how he handles the difficulties. So let's read together, if you can see there, and to go. I must go on boasting. Although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man 
whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain, so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say, or because of these surpassing great revelations. Next verse. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. What an amazing guy, this Paul. So he begins to speak there about his situation, and then he goes on to say, something was given me so that I might not be elevated beyond measure. Now, theologically, there's a, there's a, there are two schools of thoughts in this context. Some say, no, it's his own pride. Others say, no, it's so that he wouldn't become as prominent and influential in the cities where he went, that is why this happened. So if Paul, with these revelations of the gospel, was put on every radio station, was put on every TV station, was opened the door at every workplace, whenever the marketplace was going on, he would be invited with shouts and cheers. The word of God would spread even more. And that devil was not into that. And so it says, because of that, I was given a thorn in the flesh. Question, who gave me a thorn in the flesh? Some say, no, God gave him a thorn in the flesh. To humble him. Have you ever heard people saying that? You know, I'm just going through a situation that God has orchestrated to humble me. Or they advise someone and threaten them, you know. God can orchestrate things, you know, give you a thorn in the flesh, my brother, to humble you, that mouth of yours, to teach you, yeah, don't play. And so we have this idea that God is sending thorns of, in the flesh to his children and his leaders. Now that phrase, their thorn in the flesh, is a metaphor it doesn't mean a literal splinter on the side. It, in fact, the word is a spike, a stab, a jab, like the thing of a tent, a hook in the flesh. 
Now, in the Old Testament, before the children of Israel went into the promised land, God told them, you need to clean this out. And there's a lot of discomfort that many people have concerning that kind of approach that God was having in the Old Testament. But the reason why is because God was dealing with sin in the flesh. Yeah? God loves you, but the sin in you is to be destroyed. And it's hiding. It's a Trojan horse. It's hiding in you. So if the sin gets destroyed, who gets destroyed? You get destroyed until Christ came. And so God told them, destroy everything. If you do not drive these nations out and destroy everything, they will become unto you a thorn in the flesh, a bother, a hindrance. Are you with me? So a thorn in your flesh sometimes can be a co-worker. Hey, sometimes a spouse can be a thorn in the flesh. Yeah, that's right. Because it means they really vex you. They vex you. Right? And this is where people stop. They say Paul had a thorn in the flesh. And many say it was a disease because it was in the flesh. They stop there. The Bible, there's a comma there. What does comma mean? For those who pass English. Huh? It means breathe and continue. Yeah? It doesn't mean the concept is finished. A thorn in the flesh. What? A messenger of Satan. The word, the Greek word for messenger is angelos. That's why in Revelation it says, to the angel of the church in Sardis, right? To the angel of the church in Laodicea. Not, he's not writing to an angel. He's writing to the pastor who is the messenger in that congregation and is referred to as an angel, a messenger. So, a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, an angel of Satan. What are angels of Satan? Demons. To do what? To torment me. Three times, look here, I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. So, I'm asking God, Lord, this messenger of Satan is buffeting me. Please help me. And what does God say? Did he say no? Did he say no? Does it say God said no? It didn't say no. He said, this is how you address it. My grace is sufficient to deal with this. Because my power, my ability, my Power means ability. My ability is made perfect or mature or, or to its high level, even in your weaknesses. So if you have a weakness, you have no issue if there is grace available from God. It's not saying, God help me out of this situation and say, no. Just have grace. 
And that grace is some kind of feeling you have that just makes you hang in there. Wrong. Grace is favor which makes God act on your behalf. Because of grace, you are saved. Because of grace, you are healed. Because of grace, you are prospered. Because of grace, your life changes, your family changes, your bloodline, everything changes. Because of grace. So the focus here is not, I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, and then he said to me, no, no. He doesn't do for us what we must do for ourselves. What does the word of God say? Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Lord, I'm dealing with demons in the middle of the night. It's a thorn in the flesh to me. My son, my daughter, my grace is sufficient. Okay, Lord, and you continue sleeping with your demons. Wrong. What you should do there is you acknowledge, oh, I have grace and favor from heaven. That means heaven supports me, the angels support me, the resources of heaven are with me. What must I then do? I'm submitted to God and I must resist. You cannot resist the devil if you are not born again because you have no grace to resist the devil. There was a man who wanted to cast out devils. He said, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I adjure you, I command you, come out of him. The demon spoke through the man and said, Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. But who are you? The Bible says they were beaten up, stripped naked, ran out of the house. But later on, the disciples whom Jesus sent out, they said they came back two by two. They said even demons were subject to us. Jesus said, I saw Satan falling from heaven. Wow! Not because I went there. Because of the ones that I sent. Right? And then he says, Luke 10, 19, I have given you authority over all all tell your neighbor all. all in greek in greek it means all all i have given you authority over all the enemy's power and then he says power is ability i have given you authority child of god over all the enemy's abilities no, but some demons are higher than others. Why? The biggest demon was defeated. The book of Romans says, and God will soon crush Satan, the biggest demon, where? Underneath your feet. And you will walk on snakes and scorpions. And you will crush them underneath your feet. But some people don't believe the Bible. They are Christians, but they've got their own ideas. You tell them, but the Bible says, don't forbid speaking in tongues. Yeah, there are many things in the Bible I don't believe. As if it's like, yeah, that Bible is the one that says that you are born again and going to heaven. If you don't believe one part, 
Throw out the rest. Either you believe the whole Bible, throw out your thoughts. It says, let God be true. And every man a liar. Stand with the word. Give, let... Sometimes, this kind of talk that the enemy, the enemy, when he's ministering, he doesn't come full frontal until he needs to. He will come through a sister. Apparently speaking wisdom. Let's just be wise in this situation. And the Bible says when, when Jesus was tempted of the devil, he started countering Jesus with scriptures. He said to him, yeah, but it is also written. <laughs> you don't even know where, where is Deuteronomy, where is it written? Men shall not live. Deuteronomy what? Deuteronomy what? That devil just go like this. Tell your neighbor, you need to know your word. You can't just go with slogans from your Instagram of the morning. You know? God works in mysterious ways. That's a lie. It says the mystery that was hidden from before in the ages has now been revealed to us, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. No more mystery. We have been given the spirit that knows the whole mind of Christ. Hmm. To torment me. I pleaded with the Lord, take it away from me. He said, my grace is sufficient. You know, I used to think grace is one of those weak parts of God. Grace is the weak arm of God. Let's see might and power. No, let's just talk about the grace of God. Many people, when you say that, it means, oh, the sin barometer in the Dorado congregation will start to escalate now. Nonsense. Grace is God's ability where we can not. It is his power. And the only way that grace works is by faith. Grace does not work automatically. The grace of God has appeared to all men, teaching us to say no to ungodliness. It has appeared to everyone, causing them to come to Christ and to be born again. And yet there are people still going to hell. When Jesus has been plainly crucified, what's the problem? The full grace of God hanging on the cross will not take you to heaven unless if you put your faith in grace. Many times we pray our prayers, Lord, I want this, I want this. You need to check whether grace has provided for that. Otherwise, all your faith will never bring that to come to pass. There was a lady... She was running a small Bible study and she was praying really serious so that she could marry Kenneth Copeland. Hmm. Jesus is Lord. <laughs> and Kenneth that time was already married to Gloria. But God showed me. <laughs> God showed me he was my man. No. He's not your man until you wear his ring. Some of the sisters who pray for marriage. Please, you are not married until you are married. It's very deep revelation. <laughs> no, it's true because the enemy has twisted it. Made people get married to someone even before they married them. 
Then when they marry another sister, they are in their connect group binding. Come on, guys, let's, hang. let's hold hands. This is a real situation. Did you all fast? Let's hold hands. We bind that sister. We move her out of the way. You can't do that. That's witchcraft. Yes. So if you, are, if you are taking hold, you want to take hold. Take hold of the things that God has not been... It's theft in the realm of the spirit. You can't do that. You can only receive what grace has provided. And so the word of God reveals to us what has grace then provided. Because even in your ignorance, many people think that no, God has not provided healing in his atonement. They will not take it. They will say, amen, amen, if God, if God wills it. God already settled the willingness. It is our faith to take it that struggles. And what is the problem with that? Nothing. If you recognize that your faith is not where it should be, what should you do? Grow. But if you claim that your faith is where it should be, it's God that's not opening the tap. God must change because I am the perfect one then there is no way you will begin to read the scriptures and search the truth so that your faith can grow because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Don't tell me, no, I tried it, I really believe. It doesn't matter what you did. God loves you, he's with you. If you missed it, grow. That's all. The grace is available. Tell your neighbor, grow. Grow, don't complain. You are not the standard of Christianity. Yes, and many times pastors have done that. I'm a man of God. I cannot acknowledge that my faith is not where it should be. Nonsense. If I go to pray for someone and they don't get healed, I will not say don't go anywhere else. Okay? Because otherwise it's a sign of unbelief. Nonsense. If they go to someone else and come back with a testimony saying, Pastor, you prayed for me, but it didn't work. But then I went to that other guy. He prayed for me, and now I'm healed. I will say... Praise the Lord. Not, you are out of the church. Go, go there. Go. I will not do that. Yeah. The disciples had this encounter. Come on. We are dealing with people's lives here, not your ego. Right? The disciples had this encounter. Jesus was on the mountain of transfiguration with three of his disciples. And he saw Elijah and Moses and his clothes and his face. Amazing thing. Then they come down the mountain, and down the mountain there is commotion because the disciples are trying to cast out a demon, and it's not working, and the media is there. <laughs> yeah, we knew these things. <laughs> yeah, we knew these things are, are rigged. So the disciples are like, come out, come, come out. Come out, because Lincoln, you start, come out, come out. After four hours, come out, man. <laughs> <laughs> Then you start negotiating, you know. If two of you can come out, then the others can maybe. <laughs> this brother, are you willing to take two? Yeah. You guys move here. Then, <laughs> that's foolishness. That's what you begin to do to defend your honor. And Jesus is coming down the mountain. And he already gave them lessons on this thing. And the father was smart enough not to listen to the disciples. When they say, no, we can't do it. Maybe it's God's will that this boy will remain like this. Father said, here comes Jesus, excuse me. <laughs> he came there, and then he said to Jesus, please, can you help us? My boy is epileptic. Sometimes this thing throws him in the, in the fire. It tries to kill him. Please, please, can you help us? Huh? 
a father's plea for his child. Right? And then what happened? Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible for them that believe. And the father said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, I believe. I'm here because I believe. Help my, the area's grace strengthens that. Right? And then Jesus said, faithless and perverse generation. Luckily, Peter and John, who was the other ones that were on the mountain, were not there. They were like, yam. Because <laughs> if I was here, these things were not going to happen. So Jesus is coming, talking to the disciples and saying, faithless and perverse generation. How long must I still enjoy you? I'm on my way to the cross. Guys, I only have three years. Catch up. I have to give the whole world's mandate to you. They were, yes, Lord. <laughs> Bring the boy to me. You see? We don't stop and say, oh, it didn't work for me. Now I stop. That's Jesus' will. Mm -mm. Bring the boy to me. Ask yourself, if, this, if Jesus was in this situation, what would happen? That's your test. Bring the boy to me. Cast the, de the devil out of the boy. Gave him back to his father. Later on, when they were breaking this bread that we had today, they asked him, um, why, why couldn't we cast him out, Lord? Why, why couldn't we? And Jesus said, because of your unbelief. No, you can't say that. We believed. We were there. Ow, ow, ow. We were there. That's what Jesus said. And then he said, and this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. When Jesus cursed the fig tree, he said to them, have faith in God. Have the faith of God. If you have faith and doubt not in your heart, you will say to this mountain, come on. So now, many times we're going through a difficult time. I remember... Because some difficult times is just because there are diseases on the planet. That's all. You can't say, no, God gave me this very unique disease from China. So that it would, no. Diseases, my wife was telling me, diseases, especially viruses, they are like demons. And they shift. Like that. They are destructive spirits. Right? They are attacking people and bringing death. But it's there. And so things happen in life. In the life of a believer. I started well. 2020, my year of grace. Then here in April, something happens. The question is, how should we respond in the times when we get hit? All right? Now the word of God says, number one, point number one. I'll run through, don't worry. <laughs> Someone laughed on this side. Like, oh. Point number one, you can suffer for doing good. Just because you're a good person doesn't mean you won't suffer. Second Timothy 3, no, go back. Second Timothy 3, verse 10. The Apostle Paul speaking, and he says that God delivers us 
out of all of our issues. And sometimes we have self-made issues. I remember the one time I told my wife, look, I was going to leave my, my first job and go to this other company and all of that. And people warned me, but I had a dream. <laughs> I had a dream in the middle of the night and I felt I misinterpreted the dream. I left that good job. I went to another job. I had a wife at that time and the baby was coming on the way. Every month, it was a prayer case to get the salary coming through. But before I went at the firm, there was an old lady and her daughter. They said, yeah, we want to bless you with these gospels. It's like a bottle that has capsules. You open the capsule and inside is a scripture. So I said, oh, let me open one. Chew. And it came from Isaiah. It said, though you go through the waters, it will not overflow you. Though you go through the fires, you will not be consumed. The office where I went to work, every morning I had to cross a river. The, the CEO of the place where I went to work was a pyromaniac. Every Friday he makes big fires. You see the word of the Lord to preserve you. Right? And then there came the day finally after two years when they said we have to retrench. We are going back to South Africa. And they gave me my retrenchment letter. Me, my wife, and my baby. What am I going to do? Oh God. No, the Lord is with me. I immediately started going on the internet. I drove to, I got a, someone on the phone. I drove to Cape Town to go and talk to some engineers about low-cost housing. Today I was going to be a, a wonderful developer, but <laughs> I got a job later. <laughs> I went there. You know why? Because any stop or hurdle is not the end of your road. Because the word of God says that no matter what temptation you go through, God will always make a way of escape. No temptation has befallen you except what is common to man. So whatever you are going through, it's not the end of the world. There is enough grace, sufficient grace to deal with it. So the, the, the word says, if anyone who wishes to live a godly life, will suffer persecution. If you are not suffering persecution, you are not living a godly life. Mm -mm. And why do I say that? It's not that your heart is not godly. You are not expressing the godliness enough for the persecution demons to say, yeah, man, we need to stop this. <laughs> Amen? Just go around your, uh, around your workplace a little bit and just bring out the Christianity to, from notch number minus two. To, to four and a half, then you will see. Amen? Number two. You are blessed when you suffer for doing good. Not for doing wrong. <laughs> for doing good. Matthew 10 says, rejoice when they persecute you. When you're going through trials and tribulations for the sake of the gospel. Sometimes you're going through a financial trial because God told you, you must give the house to this person. Now you are in the two-bedroom and your wife is looking at you with those eyes of the spirit. <laughs> you must rejoice in those times. God is the one that spoke to you. Yeah? There is a blessing and glory that comes on your life. Next one. Number three, God always delivers by his grace and it is sufficient. Amen. Both James and Peter say that 
If you humble yourself, you will receive grace. If you are proud, and many times in your trial, that's when people say, yeah, I just am going to take some time, two minutes, to vent at God. That's the relationship me and God have. You are an immature Christian. I'm just going to go in the room and tell him like it is. God, how can you? Huh? God, huh? God, huh? God, you better come and sort this situation out. Job did that. And God began to ask him questions. Where were you when I put the stars in the place? Do you know Le 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 Leviathan? Do you know this beast and that beast? Who? And then Job said, oh, sorry, sorry. Okay? God always delivers those who humble themselves. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will lift you up. Next one. How do I take advantage of the sufficient grace? Joseph was in prison, wrongfully accused because a lady wanted to sleep with him. Men, be careful. <laughs> David was being pursued by his father-in-law. He was anointed king, and yet he didn't complain. Right? He was being pursued, and yet he would preserve and praise Saul. Jesus came to his own. He was persecuted. It says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Paul and Silas, when they were in prison, after being beaten and in chains, were singing hymns unto the Lord, midnight, until an earthquake came, and they were all delivered. And you? I'm going to commit suicide tonight. Why? A friend of mine was asking me the other day, if a believer commits suicide, did, does he go to heaven? I wasn't being theological, but I wanted to say to him, if a believer does something like that, that person is not a believer. Tell your neighbor, be a believing believer. Yeah, come on, man. You sing every day in church that you believe in Jesus. He will, he is my hope in the darkest night. He's my portion and all. And then, when the situation comes, believe. 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 Count it all joy. The scripture in Corinthians says that though we are buffeted, I'm, 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 I'm pressed, but not crushed. Persecuted, but not destroyed. Struck down. Huh? I'm not discouraged. Even though things are happening to me, what is happening in me is of a great value of glory. So as you are going through your difficult times this year, don't stop there. Don't park there. Begin to confess the word of God. Begin to be planted in every prayer meeting. Begin to come to church to hear the grace of God preached to you. Begin to be in worship so that you can change the atmosphere of your mind and soul. This is how you begin to take advantage. The word of God says in Hebrews, Come boldly to the throne of grace that you may receive grace and mercy for help in your time of need. In your time of need. 
Tell your neighbor, just humble yourself. You might have made the mistakes. I know you. <laughs> God can bring you out if you can humble yourself. If you are proud, you will stay there. Because grace is not available to those who are proud. Amen. Doctor, give us the, the last one. Sufficient grace makes all work out for good. Romans 8 verse 28. For we know that all things, please put it for us, last one, and then we'll go. Sorry, I'm going over time for the sake of, of, of your preservation this year. <laughs> Let's read this together. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Give us the next verse. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Tell your neighbor, I know. Previous verse. I know. I know. All things, All things. This, year this year will work together for good. Let's stand. Put your hand on your heart. Say, no matter what I go through, the Lord is my light, the Lord is my light. And, my and my salvation. I refuse to fear. I, to fear. I, will I will not draw back. Every difficulty, Every difficulty will, be a will be a stepping stone. Every trial, Every trial will, bring forth glory. will bring forth glory. Every difficulty, Every difficulty will resound in praise and testimonies. Tests bring testimonies. Messes bring messages. And God will work everything in my heart and in my life together for good. In Jesus' name, if you believe that, shout Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit envintook.org.